Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. Welcome to Obey Your Strengths with Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and self-proclaimed strengths geek, Kathy Kirsten. Hi there, strengths fans, and welcome to another episode of Obey Your Strengths. Today, my guest is Jamie Thompson. Jamie is the Assistant Dean of Students and Director of Student Involvement at Trinity University. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, Kathy. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Good to see you. I am excited that you're here today. You and I go back six years, seven years, I think. Yes. <laughs> yes. Our strengths journey, our, our strengths paths crossed back in, in I guess, 2013-ish, 2014-ish, mm -hmm. as you were starting your own strengths journey at Trinity. And that's going to be the focus of our episode today about the program that you've built there. And uh, also, I want to hear some of your own personal strengths journey, of course, but I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for giving me your time and sharing your stories with us. Jamie, uh, what do you want to do? You want to add anything about yourself? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about who you are beyond the fact that you're the assistant dean of students and director of student involvement. Yeah, I think I can layer in um, a little bit of like what that might mean for your listeners. Um, sometimes titles can be can be confusing or misleading. Um, I have the privilege of, as an assistant dean of students, of looking at the student. Um, journey and the student experience from a really broad, holistic lens um, from if you think about from student enrollment to graduation, what are all of the things that make up the student journey, right? And I think about it as lots of different levers that one can push and pull that um, impacts hopefully success, you know, positively and in good ways of uh, the student experience. And so my role as assistant dean of students gives me the opportunity to look at some of those macro things, look at the system and look at ways that we can either maybe remove some obstacles from the student journey or infuse um, opportunities, experiences, good things into that journey. Um, I also work uh, with the student involvement team as it relates to I feel like to think about it as life outside the classroom, except for residential life and athletics. <laughs> it's not quite true. It's not quite true. There's other things like that. But, you know, the student involvement team um, supports our vibrant campus life through student organizations and leadership programs, our Coates Student Center wellness programs, so many things. Um, and so it's just a, a fun space and a fun team to be with in thinking about, you know, that those, those college years that people so fondly um, look upon. So, yeah, it's, it's great work. And I've been at Trinity um, as a staff member since 2009. So I'm starting my 12th year. This will be my, my 12th year at Trinity. Um, and I'm a Trinity alumna. So I have um, a, a unique kind of uh, connection with the institution as my employer. <laughs> oh, that's what that's like a full circle connection. It is. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you were an alum. Yeah. And you know, in the funny pieces. Um, so I, I met my partner there. He and I, um, he played on the men's golf team and I played on the women's golf team. So everyone gets a kick out of that. Um, and, and in addition to that, there's a, um, a, a children's uh, child care center just 
just adjacent to the institution, but across from one of the residence halls. And our two daughters grew up there. And so like they have these connections to the physical space and campus because of where that um, because of the location. It's a Trinity family. (laughs) It is. is. It's such a good place. And really, you know, when when we're doing hiring and recruiting, people say, well, why Trinity and and why um, why this job? You know, you can ask anyone at the institution and people will more often than not say that it's the community. It's the people, Um, people who care about students and their success and who care about one another. And so it is a great, you know, family is such a good word to use um, in in regards to the institution. And for those folks who reside, who are listening, who reside outside of San Antonio, Texas, and you're not familiar Mm -hmm. with Trinity, Trinity University is a private institution. Uh, Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about, I have my own story I want to share about it, but tell us like Mm -hmm. something that you would share with any of your higher ed colleagues to help them understand more about Trinity. Yeah, we are a um, small private liberal arts and sciences institution with a handful of pre-professional programs. Our undergraduate enrollment is about 24, 2,500 students. I think it's a great sweet spot. Um, And the other thing that makes the institution unique is that we're highly residential. So students live on campus for three years and even some of our seniors um, stay on campus. They choose to stay on campus their their senior year. Um, So all of those the resources, the need, you know, everything is right at their fingertips um, from the mail center to dining, the dining services and the library. It's a beautiful campus um, and our faculty are just outstanding and, and um, experts at what they do. So and they're great teachers, which is why why students want to come to the institution is because they're going to be taught by really good people who um, who will put them at the center of their work. And that's how learning and teaching should be done. And you attract very talented students. So where my experience is, is that um, even though I'm not an alumni, I happen to be a Texas A&M Aggie, um, I have a little bit of a college crush on Trinity because Trinity students started Rackspace, right? And so some of those uh, back in 1998, three Trinity students thought of the idea of creating a hosting company that then became Rackspace, which, as most listeners know, is where I spent a, a, the first part of my career. So I have Trinity students to thank. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And every every student that I have gotten to work with through the entrepreneurship program that I sometimes do some strengths coaching for, they've been impressive, Jamie. So so I, I kind of can imagine your day-to-day brings you into contact with incredibly intelligent students, very talented students from all across, not just the U.S., but I, I mean, you probably yeah. have international students that are coming too. Um, even though it's a small group, uh, they have a lot of potential that you need to pour into, which leads us to (laughs) a strengths conversation. Uh, Before we enter into it, I want to know just a tad bit more about you. Uh, Tell me what your top five are and how each of your strengths kind of show up for you. Maximizer, achiever, discipline, input, and harmony are my top five. And um, I know I'll, I'll get to I hope I'll get to talk a little bit more about Maximizer in our in our conversation. But it really is, um, gosh, the the best way to describe who I am in a nutshell, which is that I, I seek excellence at at all corners, at all turns. Um, and I think that in a professional sense that that I think people can can connect to that. 
at home though, I need to sometimes dial that back, my maximizer and achiever together, right? You know, we don't have to have the whole weekend planned out step by step. Although I feel better when we do. Um, <laughs> the, the discipline, you know, I think has served me well over um, over a long period of time. Um, you know, focus is in my my top 15. So I've, I've got um, some some strong um, organizing and, um, you know, motivating driving uh, pieces in me and the discipline um, in the chaos of what can sometimes be higher education and emergent um, crises, right? The, the discipline helps me to stay focused on the, the big picture, like the, the long, the long haul input, I would say is, I mean, maximizer I love, but input is one of my, my favorite. It's like this, I would, I put input in my back pocket and it is with me in, in so many times. I love to collect information. I, I'm in a doctoral program right now, so I'm reading a lot. Um, but even when I'm not a student, I'm reading a lot. I'm listening to a lot of news, radio. Um, I I like to pick up fun facts. Now, my recall isn't always like 100%, right? <laughs> but the input, I just feel like it's an insatiable desire and need almost to to collect information. And I, I find... I find everything fascinating, <laughs> um, which, which can be a problem because there's only so many hours in a day. Um, and I think the harmony, you know, to round out my top five is maybe what, what some of my teammates might say makes me human um, because otherwise I could be a robot, I suppose. Um, the, the heartless, you know, robot that walks the halls. But really, the, no, the harmony is what helps me to, to make connections with folks, to pick up on the feel in, in the space and, and in those meetings. And um You know, I I can be overly sensitive to some of that space. And so I I really rely on on my team members to help me understand, is this just my discomfort with some of the, you know, tension in the space? And because we just haven't, you know, um, found found ourselves around um, an issue or a topic. It's just this in-between time. Or is this really something that's time for us to, you know, break into and discuss as a group and really dig into because we were we're not able it's it's become an obstacle in, in the space. So I, I rely on my team members to help me navigate those spaces as well. So I don't know. I, I'm pretty proud of my top five. I love it. They make me me, of course. Um, so <laughs> that that paints a picture for you and your listeners. I love it. You and I share maximizer and input. I didn't I mean, now that I hear you saying it like that, we've known each other for years, but maybe we should, we could have been better friends in the past few years, sharing things that we're reading. Cause I'm the same way, you know, if we find a great podcast sharing it That's right, <laughs> and then finding new ways to make things even more excellent than they already are. Maximizer. Yes, absolutely. And probably some like maximizer mom horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, I have to turn, I have to manage my maximizer at home very closely. Okay, let's get to let's get to the work though. Uh, you have built a strengths-based program at Trinity University, and I want you to share that story and the, the really the arc from start to, to future, right? Because it's not finished, but start to future of how it began and the things that you've done, because it's, it's certainly um, disciplined and it's also inspiring. So let's start there. What brought Trinity to, and you and your role at the time, what brought you to consider embedding StrengthsFinder within the organization? That's a great question. I think, Kathy, it, it stemmed from individuals. 
I think at the time, you know, you mentioned that you joined kind of our conversation in the Trinity Strengths team in 2013, 2014. I think the five to 10 years before that in higher ed and student affairs and student life, you know, um, industry and field that folks were really tapping, beginning to tap into the strengths movement. And so a couple of us had, I would say, kind of dipped our toes into some strengths work. You know, uh, someone introduced it to us. We maybe heard about it at a conference, took, completed the inventory, but didn't really know where else to turn from there. And so I think what happened is enough of us kind of came together within the unit, within the division of, of student life and said, I, I think we could do more and make more of it. Um, and, and we turned to you. <laughs> we, tur- we turned to some colleagues in the Department of Education on campus because we had heard that they were doing strengths work, in particular, I think, with their master's level students who were you know, training to become um, uh, leaders in, in education principles and, and things like that. And we had heard that you were doing some work with them. And, um, and so we reached out to you to say, help us and tell us more and help us, help us build this. I think, so it was the, this combination of folks having just a little bit of experience with it, having done it ourselves before and knowing that it could be more and, and seeing, you know, some, some of our peer institutions and colleagues we look up to building something grand on other campuses. I think that, um, what you helped us do is to really kickstart a uh, and create momentum for what has become our our strengths education program at Trinity. Um, I'll I'll add that because of that residential campus that I mentioned, the fact that that Trinity is um, we have a, a three year residency requirement that um, we have a highly developmental residential model. And the, the, our, in many ways, the, the academic experience mirrors that. So our first years live together, our sophomores live together in sophomore college, and then some of our um, upper class students live together. Uh, at Trinity, you don't declare your major until your sophomore year. So the first year gets set aside for, we, we talk about, you know, it, it really, I laugh, it's a transition to college, but it's a fire hose. Our first year students are drinking from a fire hose. And so um, for your for your listeners who are in higher ed, I think many of us are familiar with institutions who introduce strengths to first year students as an exploratory um, introduction to campus. And, and many even do it in an orient, a pre-orientation experience before they ever arrive on campus. It's very popular. It makes a lot of sense. And for us at the time, we really felt like we couldn't add, there just wasn't enough space and room and time. And, or, you know, thinking about cognitive overload for our first year students, there wasn't, just, the, the first year wasn't the right time for us. So we decided, and when you joined us, we decided to add it um, as an experience through sophomore college. Um, and so I know you, you laughed when we were talking earlier about um, your notes still say sophomore college, yeah, right? You're yeah. like, so we're sophomore college. Are we still doing strengths in sophomore college? <laughs> we are. <laughs> That's where we got the start. And, um, you know, it's funny. So our students declare their like what their major um, their sophomore year. Many students start considering studying abroad or will study abroad their sophomore year. They begin to think about leadership opportunities and becoming engaged in the student in the community and in 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 bigger ways. Right. Their their first year is is exploratory, you know, intentionally. So Um, and so we felt like that was the right time and space um, to do so. The what that looked like for us at the time and initially was that sophomore students would be were, were invited to complete the inventory, um, 
some of our, our key campus leadership would send emails saying, you know, we hope you do this. And by the way, here's my top five. So students were getting, you know, email from our vice president for student life, um, encouraging them to do so. And then the the application and the follow-up was, was pretty cool. And what we would do is have our resident assistants, our RAs, engage in one-on-one conversations with each of their residents on their floor. Um, and there would be specific strengths-directed questions so um, those conversations on our campus between the RA and the, and the resident are called conversations of care. And so we got to work with one, one member of our strengths team, one or more, is always from the residential life um, staff. And so we get to partner in really intentional conversation with the st- sophomore student, sophomore level student who's thinking about all those things I just mentioned. What am I going to study? And will I study abroad? And should I, should I join this organization or should I run for a leadership role in this organization? And then they get to do that through this strengths lens and through this pointed, really pointed uh, strengths questions. Um, and so that's where we where we started was with the sophomore year and sophomore college. Um, over time, we have built it right, and so now our interventions, if you will, mm-hmm. sounds very scientific, but our interventions um, are, you know, almost to, to anyone and anywhere. Um, and I'll, I'll, I know I'll get to talk about the future here, but um, the. Our student organizations are are requesting strengths workshops frequently. They're one of kind of the the groups that use our strengths team more than more than any other entity. We do training for our faculty and staff, which is super fun to get in front of our colleagues um, and introduce this new language to them. And you know, I, every now and then there's some naysayers. There always is, but really on the whole, people love it. They're super excited and engaged. You know, so we've trained the library staff a number of years ago. We've um, worked with the alumni relations and development team. There's there was 42 of them. We we actually did that last summer in a in a Zoom room. That was cool. Uh, we we have done um, work with the admissions and enrollment team, um, and then we partner with with um, some key faculty. I, I would say this is a, a smaller portion and a smaller percentage, but there are some faculty who have kind of project div- driven syllabi and curriculum that lend itself well to this work. So they'll bring our team in and they we, we work with the students to help them understand the strengths philosophy, their top five. And then the faculty member uses their top five in the four domains to actually build project-based teams for that class. So we've done that with a um, an engineering class that's two semesters in length, and they're going into community organizations in San Antonio and solving a problem. And they do that um, using they do a combo of Myers Briggs and Strengths um, to build their teams. We work with an internships class, so those students are they are new hires in in nonprofits in San Antonio, and they kind of layer on with them their top five and what does it mean to negotiate in a new role and a manager that you've just met. Um, and so th- those are some of the the key classes that we do among others. Um, I think what has made um, and I can keep going and maybe I will give some more examples, but I think the way that that this has been made possible is really through our the infrastructure that we've developed. So we have what we call very simply the strengths team. And I think what makes it impressive, um, especially when I talk to some of my colleagues at other institutions, is that it's a highly cross-functional, highly collaborative, very um, intentional assessment-driven team. So we have right now seven members. I would say that's about our average size. Um, there's always at least one, but more often than not, two of us who are Gallup certified coaches. And um, they represent, right now, our team represents 
three divisions on campus. So academic affairs, admissions and enrollment and student life. And I think we represent like five departments, which is impressive because this is, um, these are passion projects for folks. It's not really a, a solid item on their job description, right? And so they do it because they love it and they do it because they get exposed to a lot of cool people and students and and they get connected on campus. Um, so it, it, I think that's what makes it all possible. So it, we, um, we have, you know, at this point in the game, <laughs> we have a lot of resources and kind of off the shelf things that we can pull for various levels and populations, depending on who we're serving and what the need is. Um, but it's the people involved, I think, that make it that make it really possible. Um, let me share with you one one recent really cool success and example, and, and then you should maybe ask me some questions. <laughs> You're doing great. Keep going. <laughs> but one is that we have recently added. You know, I was just, talking about the team and the strengths team made me think about about this. That we recently added peer educators to the mix. And it was something that we had been thinking about, frankly, when, when when you started with us, I think it was always a vision that we had was to bring in students who could co-facilitate with us. There, it's, there is something to be said for being in front of a group of college students and for them to see themselves in the, in the facilitators, right? Um, students who talk like them, look like them, are the same age. And we just... Um, we just never felt like we had the bandwidth to do it. And we finally ripped off the Band-Aid and two of the team members just really dug in deep um, <laughs> and spent a lot of time. Um, but the we have now hired, I guess, um, over time, I think nine um, strengths peer educators who serve um, as in a facilitating role. They help us um, navigate our workshop requests. So they're responding to emails, scheduling with us. They are helping to manage our social media and marketing, um, which is super fun because that certainly is like coming from, you know, in students' words and in students' eyes, that that um, that really helps. And we had one workshop recently or during this last year during the pandemic. So a virtual workshop where a faculty member had made a request and none of the full-time team members could make it work. And we said, but we have three peer facilitators who would do it on their own. They're super excited if you're willing. And the faculty member was like, game on, let's do this. And after the class, he sent an email and just raving about these three peer educators. It was it was so hard. I mean, it, it was fantastic. I think they felt great about their work. I think they felt empowered to have done that, like without a, a staff member by their side. They were more than qualified and, and they were energized by their peers, right? They were getting affirmation as they were going along. Um, so it has really just been a huge success. And I think we found a good sweet spot with our, our peer educators for, for the folks that might be listening about kind of what, what our process is, mm-hmm. what, what won't surprise you, I guess, is that we've of course built strengths into the selection and recruiting process. And then, so what that, what that means is that when we, we use a really cool tool, it's, um, it's through our career services department called big interview. And so we have a series of questions that are posed to students and they respond to our candidates um, and they respond via video. And so, of course, we ask them their top five, but then we ask them, how do you utilize and leverage your top five when you're faced with multiple um, deadlines? How do you um, manage? um, I'm trying to think of some of the other examples. What do you do when um, a a peer, you know, um, confronts you with something that you feel uncomfortable with or you're not super knowledgeable about? 
Um, and so they get to talk about how they manage these spaces through their through their strengths. Um, so that's in the interviewing process. The onboarding process, we take an entire semester. So about ends up being about five months and we train them across five months. And there's about uh, two meetings a month where we're digging into, you know, we kind of if you imagine a funnel, mm-hmm. big picture at first, and then we get more and more granular and detailed. Um, ultimately, it, it um, ends in a presentation that they give to our team where they demonstrate, you know, you think about skills on the job and application, they're demonstrating to us what they've learned. So they build their own workshop, they deliver it, they respond to questions, we act as as participants. Um, and so we really kind of, you know, put them to the test and then we celebrate them. Yes, you know, um, and we, we no one, it's not like you fail, we coach you up and, you know, we make sure we would then pair you with different facilitators, depending on what the needs are. But it's it's a really a holistic approach and process. And then from there, as they become, depending on what year they are, what we found is our returning peer educators, um, they we continue to level them up. Right. And so they, they take on lead roles as peer educators. Right. So they get more responsibility, um, more uh, more experience. And so. Um, yeah, our team members who have led that the peer educator component of this are rock stars and they are developers. They are right. So maximize individualization, I'm sure like, you know, all those strengths that yearn to do this work. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So that that's been a really fun addition. And, and, uh, you know, that that has happened over the last um, 18 months, two years. So we continue to to grow and change, which I think has been a really fun part. When I think about where we've come from, when you first sat down with us in Northrop Paul, you know, it felt like a hot summer day. I don't know if it was a summer day, but <laughs> it, I think it was. Um, we've, you know, each year has brought with it a new challenge and, you know, uh, different different uh, folks at the table, different team members, but also, you know, um, an evolution of our program. Honestly, Jamie, I can't believe you've done so much in such a short amount of time. It's I'm sitting here in awe of you because I didn't know that peer educators even existed. This is fantastic. What a great idea. Side note, are any of those folks wanting to do that full time? Because Kathy Kirsten's <laughs> hiring. <laughs> well, one of our peer educators, strengths peer educators, she just graduated, but she's going to do like um, kind of an entry level role in human resources as talent management. And I, I mean, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. let's let's hook, hook up with that um, after this <laughs> workshop. I mean, after our our this isn't a workshop, Kathy. This is a podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, a podcast. Uh, we should talk to her. I should talk to her. But you know, this is amazing training ground for a future manager, a future leader, a future entrepreneur, a future HR person. I mean, Jamie, peer educator, like that's a cool gig, a cool opportunity to pursue for these university students. Um, I am shocked, again, that this has grown so much. Um, It's beyond sophomore college, but it still exists. So just to kind of button that right back up. You're still doing that process of onboarding people into StrengthsFinder at the sophomore level, but it's taken on its life of its own in all these different segments. Is that correct? Yes, and. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, we have, um, we do have an outreach effort to first-year students now. Um, I think, and and in fact, those conversations of care that I mentioned happen in sophomore college with the sophomore college RAs. The we we also have embedded that in the first year experience as well. And so, 
I think that between the first year and the sophomore, um, we're capturing a lot of students. The The timeline is what differs. So if you're a first year student, you um, don't hear about strengths, at least from us in really over intentional ways until January of your sophomore year, until spring. And that's when we when, when we introduce to you, this is an option. We'd love for you to do this. Check it out. You'll be learning more about it in, in your sophomore year. So now's the time, right? So why, why delay? Right, right. <laughs> um, the But we're still giving them, though, that, that fall semester to transition to college, to having a roommate, to college-level classes, being away from home, all of those different things. And then we, we slide it in there in the spring semester. And then sophomore year, we do really the, the hard push. And again, they're having uh, conversations with their RA. If a, a, as an example, if a first year student doesn't complete the inventory, but then sits down for one of their spring conversations with their RA, the RA then goes to say, oh, I think you should try this, right? <laughs> if they've already done it, then they begin to deploy some of those, those questions that they have prepared. So um, it, I suppose it's a, a loose connection and a, an, a very optional um, experience for first year students. Um, and then sophomore college, they see more of that in a really intentional, overt way. Um, it, this does, though, remind me about kind of the future, right? So you referenced the future. And one of the things that we're trying this summer is specifically with incoming students. So, you know, if we were to meet again, if we were to have this conversation again in another 12 months, I'll be interested. It would be interesting to hear what I have to say <laughs> about what about strengths with first year students, because what we're trying this year, and this has really been, um, or this summer, I should say, that it's been, I think, um, probably a result of the, a direct result of the pandemic and having to do everything in a remote virtual fashion. We realized that we can reach people during the summer in ways that we haven't before. And um, my, my friends in higher ed will know that the summer is an interesting time for incoming students because they may have deposited <laughs> at your institution, but it doesn't mean they'll necessarily show up in August, right? Um, in fact, students are depositing at, at multiple institutions and then they decide where they want to go. And so the key is to, to help create roots for that, for that student at your institution and help them feel connected and to form a community. Wait, wait, and, wait, wait. Tell us what deposited means. Oh, good question. Right. So in, in higher education, right, when you go to college and you've, you've, you've um, applied at all these institutions and in the spring you have to make a commitment. You may also do um, early decision in the fall. So it's not necessarily in the spring, but there is a May 1 deposit deadline and that's a national deadline. So all institutions have a national May 1 deposit deadline and it becomes a, a line in the sand for institutions where they kind of, they get a sense of what their incoming class is going to be. Have we made our mark or have we not? Who's our, you know, let's begin to get excited about the profile of our incoming class. Um, so that, to, so to deposit is in some ways that you're making a commitment to an institution. And yet, if you're a student, you know, you may have deposit, if you're okay foregoing your deposit, right? Of course, there's some privilege that comes with that financial privilege. If you're okay with saying I deposited and then you're going to walk away and go to a different institution. Um, but, but that happens. And so, um, as institutions, we look to, um, that's why many students, you register for courses over the summer, you, right? You, you, become, you begin to have a vision of what life will hold for you in the fall, come fall. And so I think about uh, A&M has fish camp, right? right, right so yep. all, all of those things, trying to speak your language. Mm -hmm. uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of those experiences that are really have a lot of meaning and purpose, uh, many meanings and purposes. One of them is to help create that community. So this summer we are trying a um, series of strengths workshops for our incoming students. So that's both first years and transfers to help them 
connect to the Trinity community. We call it's, it's part of a pre-orientation experience. It's all virtual, of course. Um, and there's many things that they're doing and completing as a part of their pre-orientation experience. Some are transactional in, transactional in nature. So um, making sure that you sign up for the TUPD alert system, right? So that you've got that safety you know, app on your phone. Um, and then there's others like this that I would put more in that transform, transformational category. And so our team is hosting um, seven workshops across the summer through Zoom. And we're focusing on, we're giving them an introduction and a taste um, into strengths. And we are really focusing on helping them to build their network and their community. So we'll be putting them in small breakout rooms based on maybe the residence hall that they have or who their academic advisor is, or maybe their intended major. And so they'll, they'll dissect and talk about their top five talent themes, but it's actually going to be the context that matters, right? You, you can say, oh my gosh, I met Kathy. Kathy's also you know, interested in uh, finance. And so maybe I'll reach out to Kathy on Instagram, right? That's the cool, you know, social right. media channel. So, <laughs> um, and so you begin to help, you know, you begin to form that community before you ever step foot on campus. And, and frankly, because of the pandemic, some of our students, our incoming students haven't actually been on campus yet. They didn't take a tour, right? Oh. So this is a whole new world <laughs> for us and for, for these students. Um, and we think that this strengths um, intervention in this workshop over the summer is going to be a powerful way for them to connect, number one, to strengths, but also connect to the Trinity community and begin to get a taste of what it means to be a Trinity Tiger. Um, so we'll see. Ask Again, ask me you know, yep. at, at some point in the fall or next year, and we'll see how this has gone. It will, if it's successful, and we have a and we have a lot of participants, it will change fundamentally kind of our approach, right? Because we're introducing it to them at a much earlier stage. Um, we already prepared that we might spend more on codes this year. Right. <laughs> Um, it also means, right, so as we think about, again, in this future theme, um, it also means we need to think about that our students will engage in strengths for a longer period of time. And so they'll want more. And we need to build our, our, our set of workshops and how we can connect to students. So the other, the other thing that um, is on our mind for the future is we've been thinking about uh, we have a very, um, very strong what we call a strengths 1.0 workshop, our introductory and a 2.0. And then we have a, a, what I would say is a 3.0. It becomes at that level, it's very topical and very content specific. So we've worked specifically with students who are doing undergraduate research all summer long with faculty members as their mentors. And we do, and we've got some great content and exercises for those students. Um, what we, I think what we want to do is build a whole series of 3.0 workshops with all of these different, um, if, I, if you imagine like title, a bookshelf and titles on a book, right? That we can say, oh, this is, you know, about X and this one is about Y. And we can pull those titles off the shelves um, for very niche, you know, specific populations. One of which I think um, that this last year has called for and reminded us is what's this intersection between strengths and identity, right? How do we bring um, inclusion and equity into this conversation, you know, in terms of our identities, how do we bring that in to the conversation with strengths? We don't have an answer to that yet, but that's something, you know, that that's on our to-do list of let, let's research this, let's learn a little bit more, and then let's bring that to students. Um, and so that that's a piece for our future is kind of building out maybe this 3.0 series and then seeing where the, where the summer um, uh, incoming student workshops take us over time. And you'll be cutting edge in that, Jamie, because I'm thinking in my Rolodex of things that I see around strengths. Um, I don't know 
if there's content for that specifically. Um, you know, something that I love about this whole strengths community is that Gallup created this piece of work and this, you know, and is pushing the philosophy of focusing on what's best. And then we have all of us out here, these independent co coaches like yourself creating your own, like think about the impact that you are doing, not just you, but your the whole strengths team at Trinity U and what you're creating, the content you're creating, the new ways you're using it, that Gallup has no ideas even happening in most cases, right? I mean, like it's, it's been iterated on and iterated on and created. So I, you know, I'm an open source type of person because of my technology. I love this idea of like, take the, the initial body of work and then just make it awesome in your own unique way. And that's what I yeah. hear you doing. Oh my goodness. Well, if you get that inclusion program, <laughs> if you get the intersectional strengths and identity yeah. program lifted and launched, come back to this podcast and tell me about it so we can teach <laughs> others Will about do. it. Will do. Oh, wow. So what a, an amazing journey that a student at Trinity could experience from the strength lens uh, through all the different facets, not just creating some engagement through care conversations with a residential advisor, but then potentially being put on a, a a working team to achieve a goal within the classroom to using it in a leadership organization in the campus community. Super cool. Lots of different interventions that are going on there and some new experimentations because of the pandemic. It's made us all think differently about connection. And I love that you're innovating mm -hmm. around connection. Um, I think what you just said, I wanted to kind of point out that no matter if you're in higher ed or corporate the longer you do strengths within an organization creates new challenges because to keep it fresh, you do have to continue creating around it. I recall that when I was at Rackspace and as an internal coach, and we had 13 internal coaches. So, I mean, wow. it was a big group of people and then a lot of HR business partners, a lot of HR employee relations folks were also uh, trained up to the point that they could have very high level conversations with strengths. Um, there, we were, we were challenged at if someone had been at within the organization, excuse me, organization for seven years, they had pretty much been through everything that we had to offer. And then they're like, okay, now what? However, the, the only thing that seemed to be evergreen and still is to this day is that every time you get into a, a new team, that strengths conversation is fresh because there's new team strengths to be talked about. There's new players on the team. And so we have to discover those uniquenesses about each other, but it does get a little bit like, okay, well, I know this. I know talent times investment equals strength. I know that I get most energized with my strengths and I got to watch out for my strengths being turned up too high as my weaknesses. You know, like they've learned the, <laughs> the yep. stuff we're teaching. And so we do have to keep continuing to stretch and stretch and stretch. So I love that you're doing that. Fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting and it is needed. And I think it paints a picture of the possible for our students. It paints a picture of the possibilities of the environments they can enter into when they graduate. Right. So and maybe even what they might what they should expect in, in, in a work environment for themselves and for their future colleagues is a place and a space that will honor what they naturally bring to the table every day, but also where, where they'll continue to develop that um, and test themselves. And so I, I think 
for students who do, who are able to engage with us on those various levels, right, from maybe from that first student organization workshop to maybe then they're the leader requesting it for their new leadership team to then maybe one of those niche, um, you know, I, I mentioned the summer undergraduate research program, maybe they, they participate in that. I think they get, they get to see that evolution and see the different ways that you get to put it to work. And so I, I hope, you know, this is interesting because I've never, ex, you know, explicitly thought about this, but I hope that it is setting the stage for some expectations about healthy work environments and their own, you know, development over time, um, because it is possible. It for is. Sure. It is. And and I am finding because of the work I do in tech organizations that where 10 years ago we were saying, okay, conventional wisdom is command and control and like in telling people how to do their job by step one, step two, step three, and unconventional wisdom is allowing people to use their strengths. I feel like the transition has accelerated and it's probably because I work with technology companies who have a younger, like average age, (laughs) but it's not necessarily like transform your thinking on this. It's more like they are completely aware of this. They just need to learn the language and then they're off running, right? Like, full throttle straight ahead that we understand that I'm different and we need to partner. And uh, what I bring to the table, as long as you can give them the vocabulary, boom. So you're setting them up with a vocabulary. So what what we should all be saying as employers are, if we want great managers, (laughs) maybe tap in to some Trinity graduates. (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, you know, one of our, um, our, like the the third slide on our, um, our strengths 1.0 workshop is the, all the logos, uh, not of all strengths-based organizations across the U.S., but it, I mean, it's it's a lot of logos on there. And, and we point out like the local, you know, um, sure. lo- local logos um, on there to say, hey, these are the, the institutions that the businesses in San Antonio that are strengths-based, right? And I think that matters. For, for a student, they begin to think pretty insular, like, oh, this is another Trinity University thing, right? Uh-huh. No, no, no. Think broad. This is Gallup research powerhouse and look at all these companies that use it and do it. And so, yeah, beginning to open that door and open, you know, the, the, their, their eyes to where this can take them. Congratulations on this work, Jamie. This is incredible. I'm learning something. My learner is totally on fire right now. I actually want to come take a tour when the pandemic has calmed down. <laughs> I want to come sit in one of those classrooms oh. to listen to the peer advice or the peer educators. I mean, that's fascinating to me. I really want to learn more about that. Um, thank you for sharing this journey with us because I think this is going to be inspiring for anyone who's in higher ed to see what's possible and to, to know how you started and it was baby steps because we're now what, six years in, seven years, are you seven years in to doing this like really yes. full force? Yes, really full full force. Yeah. And I'll just um, underscore, you know, if, if it weren't for the team, you know, this is this is not something an individual um, could do on their own. This isn't something that I single handedly did on my own, but it's really a team, a team effort. And and, and we looked at other um, institutions and benchmarked other institutions, I think, for your listeners who are thinking about some of this, they'll find that that's that's really common, but it is necessary to make it successful, I think, in terms of campus wide is to have a, a a really wide variety of stakeholders at the table who are helping to, to lead and make decisions. Um, that has been, I think with, without the team, none of this would have happened, right? All of those varied perspectives and offices represented. So kudos and shout out to the Trinity Strengths team. Yeah, the Strengths <laughs> team. And it 
I also want to point out that this didn't start with like a big budget line item either. And so don't let that stop you. You can get scrappy. A lot of ways people call, and I think we probably had this early on conversation, Jamie, of do I need to be a Gallup certified strengths coach immediately? And I probably, knowing myself seven years ago, would have said, no, you can hack some of this, right? You can listen to plenty. There's plenty of podcasts. There's lots of books. Learn up. I'll come and help coach your team until you can get the line, like get enough proof of concept that this is something we want to invest in, right? To get the budget to do it and then go get your Gallup certification. I know that lots of folks, um, because I hear this a lot, but lots of folks really want the certification before they get started as permission to do so. And I'm of the opposite. And I think you are too, Jamie, because that's what you did. I mean, you are certified now, but you didn't start out that way, but you kept going and yeah. you've, you've built something with tons of credibility now. So I'm, I'm like yeah. inspired that, you know, get started wherever you're at. That's right. And you're, you, you, you reflected it exactly that that was our, our trajectory and that was our journey and, and Trinity, you know, we've been blessed to have a, a president, our current president um, for the last uh, five or six years and my vice president are big strengths folks. And so they, they are willing to, we're willing to invest in us in terms of um, having two of our team members uh, become certified um, and willing to invest in the program to now have a, a line, right, um, a budget line for this work. Um, and so they see the power in it. And, you know, um, our vice president is the one that's kind of sending emails to students to encourage them to take it, right? And, and our university president will, um, you know, uh, retweet or like some of the things from the strengths team, right? So has participated in some of our, our passive social media campaigns and things like that. So it, it really helps, but you're right. Proof of concept was, was a big piece of it. Yeah. Proof of concept plus top down support, really. I mean, there's no sense in doing it if the top isn't going to support you because it, it will eventually fade. So Terrific. Okay, let's turn it back to you as we finish this up because you've given us tons to think of. I think that if you're taking notes, you have a three full sheets of paper of things to go think about and, and ideas. Uh, but as we turn it back to you, because this is the Obey Your Strengths podcast, I can see your maximizer has been very busy in the last seven years building something excellent around your program. And I know it's not just you, it's a strengths team, but girlfriend, you brought it to like you and I had that conversation. I, 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 Oh, a lot of that, like, yes, this is Jamie's work in addition to the team, but yes. Um, maximizer, achiever, discipline, harmony, input, right? So that drives your work. It helps you build structure, helps you reach for excellence. You get a lot of stuff done. Hello, achiever. Input shows your, I mean, that's probably why you're flourishing in academia because you love knowledge and you love things. Um, out of all those, what do you think is one of the strengths that you have to obey and tell me why. It is certainly Maximizer. No doubt about it. Um, I I didn't have to even pause to think about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have an unending need to optimize. There is always something just a little bit better out there that if we just tweak um, and spend a little bit more time with it, it can be even better. And I think, it, you know, it's also a sense of there's there's always more to be done. Um, and, and it, it's really my motivator. It is what gets me up in the morning. It is what, 
Um, what drives me to say to my team, like we have a bar of excellence, right? Um, we have really high expectations. Um, I, I think that, frankly, though, the result of that for the team is that we have developed a reputation on campus as a group of individuals who um, people know that we will deliver. And I think that's really important and really credible. That's my maximizer saying that, of course. But when the bar is excellence, um, I think so much can be achieved. Now, and I could talk about maximizer in like the the positive sense for for a long, long time. I transparently though, maximizer is also my Achilles heel. And um, it, it not only kind of personally, it, it makes me feel like I can never rest or truly stop, right? To turn off something like on the weekend just doesn't, isn't a reality for me. I, I think I'm, <laughs> I was going to say I'm getting better at it. I don't know if I am. I have, I have pockets of time <laughs> where <laughs> I'm better at it than others. Um, you know, as a, as a leader and as a manager, I worry about this piece for my team though, right? Because I think it can become taxing for them. And, and my partner and kids, you know, them too. But um, the, uh, you know, I'll tell you a story, which is last week, I was in a, um, a planning meeting with um, my two assistant directors. And we were thinking about what are reminding ourselves, what are our goals for our time together, where uh, we were planning for a retreat um, at the end of the month. So we've because of our, of our virtual remote work right now, which we're still in at, at the institution, um, we've taken what would normally be a, a full day um strategic planning meeting, and we've broken it up into a couple chunks. It just feels better over Zoom, right? So we're, we're reviewing kind of where we're headed and what we said we wanted to accomplish. And I'm maximizing the heck out of it. I'm not going to lie. Okay, okay. We, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to revisit our diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. And we should revisit these two documents. I'm linking them in, in, the, in the Google Doc we're working on. And there's a lot happening. And, and then one of my team members says, um, Hey, can we, can we just pause for a moment? <laughs> uh, she says, look, I, um, I'm just going to say it. She, she, those were her words. She said, I'm, I'm just going to say it. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, what is she about to say? Like she's paused the whole conversation and she seems very serious about this. And, and so I start to overthink things, of course. <laughs> and, um, but she says, look, I'm just going to say it. I think we need to have some fun. <laughs> She said, we, it has been a long year and we need to pay attention to our relationships with one another. Mind you, mind you, this is part two. So we've already done a part one and there was a, there was a mix of things that were part of that, but fun was not on the list for this one. I'm not going to lie for the, for this part two. Um, she's like, can we hold on some of these business items? Like our DEI work is a priority for us and we will get to it. Can we hold on the business items? Make time for that another time. She's saying, I'm not, her point was, I'm, I'm not saying don't do it. Right. But plan something fun together and focus on that at this point in time. You know, I think it's slotted for the the third week in June. Right. And so the reality is she was right. She was right. And it's it's what we needed. It hasn't happened yet. But I just know as soon as it left her mouth, you know, and the other assistant director were all on, all on Zoom and I see his head nodding and he's like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, I have gone too far here. I have been maximizing our our time, uh, maximizing what we're trying to talk about, uh, what we're trying to accomplish in, in that time period. To be fair, it wasn't just my maximizer. My achiever was at fault there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so discipline. I, but I was on autopilot and it was a go, go, go. And I needed that team member to speak up and remind me that the work doesn't happen 
in our team, or at least successfully, I would, I should say, if we don't give, if we don't spend time for each other and with each other, um, attending to our relationships and, um, to, you know, why we show up every day, because it's, it, that work is always going to be there, but if we can't be there for each other, you know, that, that matters. So, and, and that has been even more difficult, of course, in a remote setting. So she was right. It was a really hard stop in the conversation, but, and, and we did a, a, a 180. We started a, a new document. We put that one aside and said, okay, oh, now you're going to find this funny. But then we went on to like hardcore plan our fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to maximize our fun. <laughs> he has uh, discipline and focus. And my, my other team member, he has woo and positivity, um, but also relater. You know, anyway. And so we did, we did plan the heck out of our fun, but we've got a good agenda for some fun at the end of the month. Um, but it was a good reminder of Maximizer as my Achilles heel and taking the time to, to, you know, tune into those relationships um, because that just doesn't come naturally for me. I definitely need to surround myself with people who are doing that all the time. Just hearing that story is a little bit cathartic for me, Jamie, because I'm wearing, so what they don't like listeners, you and I can see each other. Listeners do not realize that I'm wearing a Maximizer t-shirt because <laughs> I had a workshop today and I wanted to dress the part. Yes. So that's a great, just hearing you say that I can see it in myself so often. And I want to share this with you, Jamie, that many times my Maximizer is turned up way too high. And I had a great Gallup coach who shared this with me, Jeremy Petrosini, shout out to Jeremy. Um, (laughs) He shared with me one time in a coaching call that sometimes my expectations for performance uh, at the, after the performance, I might rate and expect, you know, I might rate the performance between one and 10. I might rate it, let's say a six when everyone else would have given it a nine. And so whenever I feel that pressure to like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and make it just a little bit better. I miss the celebration point. So um, for my flavor of maximizers, well, you know, it shows up that way. And I love that the never settled in you, like constantly optimizing shows up that way. It's a good reminder that we need to live them out and feed the need of optimization. And then there's a point where we go, okay, it's enough. Let's go have yep. some fun. Let's have some fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, we're going to maximize the heck out of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, you know, after the year we've had, yeah, we all deserve a little bit of fun. It's true. So. It's true. <laughs> well, I hope you get some fun in this summer. I thank you for giving me a slice of your time today. This has been awesome. Good luck this summer with your experimentation with the strengths intervention. It yields great things for Trinity students that are coming onto campus. And are they coming in person? What's happening? They are. They are. Yeah, we've got a a pretty cross our fingers. You know, we've got a a, a vaccination threshold we're trying to meet. But yeah, I think um, generally speaking, our fall will look um, will be fantastic in person classes in person. So yeah, we're excited. Well, good. I hope you're, I hope you're fully back uh, to living out the, the vision that you have for this department uh, in the, fu- in the future. So thanks so much, Jamie. Take care. Thank you for the opportunity, Kathy. This was fun. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Obey Your Strengths. To learn more about Kathy or hire her for your company or private coaching, visit obeyyourstrengths.com. You can also find her on Instagram at kathy.kirsten. Obey Your Strengths is produced by Kirsten Consulting, LLC, in association with Game Day Media out of San Antonio, Texas.